It's uh, so nice to see the seniors here in person. So nice to see everybody else on Zoom. Uh, this is really a very momentous occasion. Uh, this is the last schmooze of the semester, and to that uh, extent, we can sort of reflect and say we persevered. We made it. We're, we're here. Um, it wasn't easy. We had to overcome many different hurdles, many different obstacles. We dealt with quarantines and with uh, with lockdowns and with uh, COVID and all types of uh, different challenges, but Baruch Hashem. Uh, at the end of the day, while certainly so much uh, credit really has to go to the staff for everything that they've done to allow us to be in person half the day, uh, but really at the end of the day, it's a tribute to all of you and to... Uh, all of you that are, are watching, that you, you've made this possible. Your cooperation and your dedication and your commitment has made this possible. So uh, we really hats off to all of you for, uh, for sticking with us and you know, for working together to make this happen. We look forward to a much better second semester in, in terms of the ability to bond and to connect. And Hashem, let's hope that this COVID uh, becomes uh, a thing in the rearview mirror very soon, Hashem. Uh, so, I'd like to talk to you about seeing, about Ria, about vision, because you are about to embark on a certainly well-deserved vacation. You've got finals that are starting uh, today, maybe even yesterday. Next week you have finals. Then you're, you have a nice little gap of time to to enjoy yourself, to uh Take a very well-deserved vacation, recharge your batteries, and get ready for the for the second semester. But I think during this time, when we have time, when we have free time, and we have an opportunity to reflect, uh, it could be a great thing. It could be a tremendous thing for, as I mentioned, to recharge our batteries. It can also be a time where, God forbid, um, the temptations and the pressures of maybe moving in a different different direction also uh, rear its ugly head. And our job is to see. Our job is to see and to probe and to analyze and to make sure that we're going to make the right choices. And, and just as a, by way of a couple of examples of what, how the Torah defines seeing, it's, it's such an amazing thing. Because the first time we actually are introduced to seeing, and I didn't really go through the whole parish and check every single time there's a reference, but certainly some of the highlights are by Basia Basparo where she saw twice, it talks about the fact that she saw this young baby, this young infant in the water. And in seeing, clearly she extended herself, so much so that the name of Moshe is based on what Basia Basparo did. Basia Basparo extended herself. She stretched her arm and drew him, drew him out of the water. That's why Moshe Benu's name is Moshe Benu. So that took a sense of commitment, a sense of first seeing the issue, seeing the challenge, seeing the opportunity, and responding to it properly. And that certainly made the difference, uh, uh, certainly in Moshe Benu's life, put Basia Basparo in a special place in Jewish history, and allowed Moshe Benu to be Moshe Benu. So, and, and in fact, the Mepharshim say that he, that he was injected with this very mysterious nefesh of Basia Basparo. Her dedication, it was in a sense... Transmitted into Moshe Benu from the dedication she manifested that went into that little baby, and that led, it, led him to become Moshe Benu and allowed him to become Moshe Benu. So 
that's how we start. We start with that level of Ria, of that, of Basya Bas Paro. And then Moshe gets a little bit older. And very famous passage that he goes out on, into the street. He becomes a, he's a young, confident, uh, potential future leader of the Jewish people, growing, growing up in the house of Paro with all of the incredible amenities that that afforded him. And he goes out, he goes out to the street to see what's going on. Says the Pasuk, Vayar b'sivlosam. What a, again, what an amazing thing. Vayar b'sivlosam. Moshe Benu sees the plight of the Jewish people. He sees the, defi- the, the, the terrible torture and the difficulty and, this, and this, the enslavement of the Jewish people. He sees their pain. And Rashi says, Vayar b'sivlosam. Again, he's defining a word. What an interesting, illuminate, illuminating point of, of Rashi. Because Rashi's not just saying, I don't believe he's just saying, what this Vayar happened to me. And I think Rashi is sort of saying, this is Vayar. Vayar means, in the Torah's point of view, of seeing way beyond the immediate, in-your-face vision of what you're looking at. Vayar means, Rashi says, Nasan eno velibo lios Moshe Rabbeinu didn't just see. We can see, and very often we see, we hear, and we go, oh, it's terrible, we move on to life. Sometimes we take, sometimes we take five seconds, maybe sometimes we take five minutes, Oh, that was really awful. Well, we heard that bad news. This person passed away. That person's having this challenge. That person lost, uh, lost this amount of money. Oh, that's horrible. Uh, could you pass the, uh, the salt, please? I mean, I, is that really what it's all about? Just a couple of seconds and we, we move on? Or Moshe Bainu was, was his actions. Rashi tells us, Nosan eno velibo lios He internalized what he was looking at. It wasn't just a, a cursory vision. It was an, an, an intense look of empathy, of connection, of literally feeling that pain, of feeling the pain of what this Jew was going through. Just heard incredible, I heard an incredible story this morning that was just sent to me this morning. Very quickly that uh, a Rebbe needed a special treatment. This is a Rebbe going back probably 100, 200 years. He needed a special treatment on his back. And, and, and the doctor started heating it up and put it on his back because I guess he needed to burn off a certain, a certain wound and he needed an intense heat. And he heated up the, the coil and the, the doctor puts it on the rabbi's back, this holy, holy rabbi, and he sees the rabbi doesn't move. And he heats it up again to make it even hotter because if he didn't move, if he didn't recoil, if he didn't scream out in pain, must be that the rabbi, that I didn't do a good job of heating up. And he heated up till it was, it was red. It was red like fire. And he puts it on the back to burn off the, uh, the scab or the wound, whatever it was. And he finally says, Rabbi, well, what is going on here? What, do you have uh, some kind of superpowers? What are you, a superhero? Uh, you, don't, you don't feel the pain? And he said, he said literally without even blinking, he says, the pain, I don't really feel, because of, I feel that because the pain that I feel when my disciples and my students and my community come to me with their problems and their anguish, the pain that I feel is much more intense. And I live with that pain. So the pain doesn't really affect me because I'm already on a different threshold of pain because of what I go through in, in feeling for the pain of Klai Yisrael. Incredible insight how, how, how much we have to really feel. And Rashi's telling us, he's not just informing us about Moshe Benu, Rabbi said. I think he's telling us that this is the definition of, of Ria. This is the definition of seeing. Seeing is, is putting your heart fully emotionally to the situation. And certainly when the, one of the most dramatic other episodes, certainly is, this is critical, because this is what allowed Moshe Benu to emerge as a leader of a Yarbis of Los, and this led him to have to run away. We know the whole story. So this, this empathy and this connection, this deep feeling 
for Klai Yisrael, based on Vayar Losom, was what allowed Moshe to be Moshe Rabbeinu. And finally, the sort of the culmination of that moment, when Moshe Rabbeinu was actually chosen to be leader, what happened? We know the burning bush. We heard about it from Rabbi Davidowitz this morning in the Dvar Locha. So we know that that was an incredible event that the Jewish, that Moshe Rabbeinu witnessed too. But again, HaKosh Baruch did not choose him till, okay, he said, let me turn and let me see what's going on here. Again, the Ria, seeing I want a surinov error. I want to turn and see and explore and and probe what it is that I'm looking at. What it is that I'm seeing here? What is what is this potential opportunity? Because he knew already when he turned to the side and saw that incredible burning bush, he knew full well that this was something that was going to to alter the destiny of his life. He knew full well that there was a prophetic vision within that burning bush that when he if he were to walk over and explore it, his life would never be the same. And the challenge for us as we go through life, and again, certainly these are challenges not only present themselves in terms of making a right decision to challenge and grow, but Rabbi Sain, especially during these particular times, and I'm hearing these reports, I'm speaking to people on the East Coast, this is an unbelievably challenging time for the youth of Klai This has been a time where their need to see, their need to look into what it is or what I'm being asked to do. What is it I'm in- involved with? The, 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 the social media, the, this, this need for, for Zoom, this need for all of the, the connections to, uh, in terms of technology, which, which could be used for such, such great things. And we are, we're using it for tremendous things. I'm not the Shurim on Zoom. There's never been this many Shurim online. It's an amazing thing. But that very bracha, we know, could also be a klala. That very opportunity to connect online can allow us to connect to really the most unacceptable things that this world has to offer. When you have the highest level of Kedusha, we know inversely you also have the highest potential or the greatest potential for Tumah. The lowest potential, I really should say. So this is where Ria is critical. This is where I'm, I'm almost begging. I'm not, I'm not almost. I'm, I'm really, I'm begging Rabbi Sai. You've grown so much. You've accomplished so much. Just one moment in time, one moment where we're not really fully looking we're not fully seeing. We're not fully internalizing. And it just hit me, Ezeu chacham aroa sanolad. Ezeu chacham aroa sanolad. Not just to say, you know, I don't know if you go to this party, we know it's not appropriate. You're invited to this event on New Year's Eve and you go into some place that completely, uh, you, know, you know, you might get into trouble. Will you roa Yeah, I, I know I might. Will you roa sanolad? Did you really see it? Did you really internalize it? Did you go through the, the results of what will happen if it will be found out. You make this cute little video that you think is cute on some, some inappropriate uh, TikTok or some other crazy place that, that shows so many inappropriate things. And you, did you stop and think? What's going to happen? Who is it going to impact? Well, how many people are going to be affected? How are your parents going to feel? How is it going to be found out five years from now when maybe you apply for a job or you, uh, somebody wants to read a shidduch to you and all of a sudden, well, no, and if you think that doesn't happen, I live with these issues every single day. I am very involved with shidduch. And if you don't think they check you out and just because you think that, well, TikTok, I don't know the rules of TikTok. I'm not, I don't have it, but I'm told that it sort of disappears. Well, <laughs> it might disappear on the official, but if you think somebody can't get it and save it, just for the time when you want to apply for that critical job, 
just for the time that you want to marry that incre- incredible, wonderful young lady, you want to go out with her to, uh, to go out on a shidduch date, and they inexplicably say no. And the Shatchan says, what happened? Well, they, they looked uh, this guy up online, and what they saw it shocked them completely. Off the charts. I could not believe it. I said, they're not going, their daughter's not going out with a guy like that. That's not happening. But that was five years ago. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, there are a lot of guys who don't have that on their, in their history. So I, I'll, I'll find somebody else, five years ago or not. But I say, these things happen regularly in the business world, in the social world, in the school world, where we make decisions because we were not Roas and all. We didn't take that power to see what is going to be in the wake of this decision. What's going to happen? The Rashivam, our great Rebbe, Rebbe Chibudzatzal, would always say to us, when we were learning in yeshiva, the hundreds of boys that were in yeshiva for so many years, he was a Rosh Yeshiva in Yeshiva Chavetz Chaim for over 50 years. He would always remind us, when you're sitting there in your office and you're wondering, should I do it or shouldn't I do it? Should I little, play a little game or shouldn't I play a little game, save a few hundred thousand dollars on the school budget or maybe whatever, do something to fudge this, a little bit on the tax returns, a little, little game, just play some games. What's the big deal? He would say to us, there's only one thing you have to ask yourself. If you're in front of a judge, and he didn't even mean a Kodesh Baruch he meant a physical judge. That, to be on a Madrego where you're afraid of a, of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that's a high Madrego. But he, he brought it down into more real terms. If a real judge was looking at you in a court of law, and seeing this, and this sight, this, this scene replayed itself in front of that judge, because it very well might. That was before the, the social media world where everything gets, does anything happen without a video to it? I mean, think about it. There's nothing that goes on in this world without a video attached to it. And it's coming up, this guy did this, a Congress, the Capitol gets ransacked, you got a video for everything. <laughs> How'd that happen? Somebody's always with the, with the phone making a video. It's amazing. So it's not hard for us now to imagine that. The Rashiva said way before this stuff started, it could easily be there, the judge is watching. And you have to be able to explain it. Can you explain it with a clear clear conscience? Can you explain it where the judge says, oh, now I understand, no problem. Case done. You're free to go. Or you're going to have to hem and haw and make up some kind of bubamice that will be such sheker that the judge will see it in two seconds. The next thing you're listening to is a jail cell door close on your back. Which one is it? And he would warn us then that that's what you have to be concerned about. Rabbi Sai, I, I, I know it, it's, uh, I'm being a little too dramatic. I'm not being too dramatic. Because these things happen all the time. And unfortunately, they're happening more and more because of the exposure that we have to, in today's technology world, which unfortunately this corona challenge caused. Because, again, great opportunities for, great, for greatness and for wonderful, positive things but also a tremendous opportunity to meet up with people from all over the world, people we don't even know, people from who knows where and who knows what and what they're up to and what their intentions are and where. It looks so innocent. What do you say? Haroa is Hanolad. we got to see it. To me, Roa, now sort of when you look at through the parasha, Roa means you play the video, you play the reel, you, you picture this on national television. How would you play? How would you act and how would this to be internalized by the people looking at it. Would you be proud of it? Would you be able to, to, to defend it as being this as a noble, worthy thing? Or will you feel like crawling into a hole where you can't get out 
because you can't face your parents or your school or your friends or the world. There's an incredible story, Rabbi said, when, with this I'll end. An amazing story. I try sharing it every year. And the story itself, just to, the way that I found the story, because I, I saw this story first in a book. I was in New York sleeping, uh, at least trying to sleep at my brother-in-law's house. We were visiting New York. And there was a book nearby. So, you know, when you're tired, but you can't really go to sleep, you try reading a book to try to... It's a book of different stories. And I happened to hit this story. And this story, it really, it, it shook me to my core. And it's a very powerful point about looking and seeing opportunities. And the story is about a shochet. We'll call him Yankel the Shochet. And Yankel the Shochet was a wonderful, wonderful Jew. And one night he had a horrible dream. He was trembling, mamish in his bed. And he runs to the, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the shorter version, he runs to the Rebbe because he needed to just clear his mind and say, wow, what a scary, horrible dream. And he runs to the Rebbe right after davening, Rebbe, I had a terrible dream last night. Oh, really terrible? What, what, tell me, what, what's the dream? Rebbe, I dreamt that I was the Olam Emes. I dreamt that my life was over and they took me up to the heavenly throne there with the Bezdin of the great tzaddikim of that generation. We don't, we don't get judged by people from 500 years ago. We get judged by the people who just lived recently, who passed away, by the David Feinsteins and the Rabbi Kanerics of the world, who unfortunately just recently, one of our incredible rabbin that we had in the yeshiva who no longer is here. Those are the people who sit on that heavenly throne to judge us because they know what we're going through. They know the world that we're living in. And the Rebbe, I went up to Shemayim, and they, and this was, and sure enough, this is your life. And they brought down the big screen, and they said, okay, this is Yankel the Sheikh's life. Let's see what the, uh, what this young man, not so young, uh, did in his lifetime. And they showed me all the mitzvahs, they showed all the beautiful, the, 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 the Gemaras that I learned, and all the chesed that I did, and the shkita that I did, and the kosher meat that I gave to the different communities. And the defense attorney says, Look at Yaakov, this is a tzaddik. Let's roll up, open up those pearly gates and let's let him right into Gadaden. All of a sudden, as the Bezin was about to say, yeah, good, good job, Yaakov, you're going right in. Eternal con- a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is your future, this is your eternity. Enjoy it. And all of a sudden, before they said that, the prosecutor says, wait a second. You missed a little video that you needed to show. And he presses the button, the video starts playing, and it's Friday afternoon, and Yankel's leaving his office, and all of a sudden there's an Almana, there's a widow who comes crying out to Yankel as he's running to do his uh, Friday afternoon errands. And the, and the widow says, Yankel, Yankel, I'm so happy I see you. Know, I have this chicken here. I, I haven't eaten such a long time. Please shech my chicken for me so I can feed my kids. I haven't, haven't had this opportunity since my husband passed away, please, Yankel. And Yankel says, what? Come on, it's, it's getting late. I have to go to the mikvah. I have to prepare my little uh, you know, preparations for, uh, for Shabbos. I can't, I, I, you should have made an appointment. I, I, my appointment? I just got the chicken. Somebody just gave it to me. Please, Yankel. I haven't fed my kids chicken or meat. How many and how long? And Yankel says, I'm sorry. You should have come to me earlier. And he walks away as the tears stream down the Amunah's face. And the prosecutor says, this is a guy you're going to send straight to Ganhaden? And the, the Bezin says, absolutely not. Yankel, you have two choices. You can either pay for the hurt that you inflicted on this Almana, or you can go back down to earth and do it all over again. Some kind of Gilgal that we hear about. And I was, I was given 30 seconds as a side, and I was ticking down and ticking down, and Rebbe, that's when I just woke up. Right when I was had to make that decision, 
Rebbe said, that's a pretty scary dream. So when did you not offer that Almana meat? When did that happen? Rebbe, it never happened. Never happened. Well, did anything like that happen? And I said, no, no, nothing near that happened. I, nothing. He said, well, then, then don't bother me. Then what are you worried about? Just go on with life and it's going to be good. And, and Yanka listened. And he went on in life. And Rabbi said, you would have said that dream was so powerful and so shook him to the core that there is no way that that dream would ever relive itself and Yankel wouldn't be ready. But sure enough, about 25 years later, that dream came back. Not in a dream, but in real life. And Yankel's not walking as quickly, but he's walking out of his office. It's Friday afternoon, and he's a little bit older. Maybe he's got a cane, but whatever it is, he... The widow, there it is, the widow. The widow comes running to him, literally, mamish, it was like a prophetic vision of what was going to happen 25 years later. And the widow's screaming, please, Yanko, help me, help me, I just got a chicken, I have my children, you know, since my husband passed away, I have no food for them, there's no chicken, it's Shabbos, please, can you shut the chicken for me? And Yanko, instead of a Yarbis of Loso, instead of Nosan Eino Velibo Leos Meitzra Yankel did what most many of us do. He just kept walking. He did what Moshe didn't do. He did exactly what happened in his dream. He said, it's getting late. I have people to meet, things to do. I have to go to the mikvah and prepare. And you should have come to me earlier. And Yankel starts walking away, leaving the Almana with the tears down her cheeks, distraught and broken. And Yankel goes and does his job, he does his preparations, he goes to shul, Davin's Kabbalah Shabbos, Davin's Meyer comes home, he's in the middle of Kiddush. He recognized, he realized what he did. And his eyes come so wide, he drops his the cup, mamish on the floor, and he faints on the spot. And everybody, the family comes around, Yanko, Yanko, you okay, you okay? Are you? And sure enough, they wake up Yanko and they bring him to, and Yanko right away, he gets his, himself together. Quick, get the chicken, get the fish, get the soup. We got to go, go over to the Almana's house. And they run to the Almana's house, and they give her all this beautiful Shabbos, and he, 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 he uh, apologizes profusely. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. We don't know how Kodesh Baruch viewed that. We don't know, we're not here to judge Yankel's, the story was really written in a, in a positive way. That Yankel was able to ask forgiveness for ignoring that almana. To me, the eerie message to me was, it was a footnote to the story. The footnote was that that was the last Shabbos of Yankel's life. He passed away that much of Shabbos. I'm not here to say why he passed away. I, I don't know those things. But certainly the, the eerie message to me the last Shabbos of his life, was this not maybe the opportunity of a lifetime to guarantee his Olam Abba? Was maybe not that dream that he had 25 years earlier, the prophetic vision that gave him the opportunity to say, this is your moment. This is where you can seal your fate for eternity. Or this is where you can get it wrong. And maybe have to do it again. Abba these moments happen more than once in our lives. We don't know the full impact. We know, obviously, there are things we can do to rectify mistakes. But certainly, if we keep our eyes open and recognize the opportunities and also the pitfalls, if we ezel chachma roa, to truly see the nola, to see and to envision, like the Rashiva said, you're standing in front of a judge, whether it's an actual judge 
talking about your tax returns, or to Melech Machem at the Bezim Shamila, who we have to answer for after 120 years, we'll be able to hold our head up high. We're going to be able to answer our parents or our school here now to explain what happened when we're teenagers and the mistakes still matter. If you Google, I became an alcoholic in one day, you'll find articles. When you be, when you, if you Google, I became a drug addict in one night, you'll find articles. If you Google, my life turned into a Gehenna because of one mistake that I made, you'll find articles. We don't want to be that person, Rabbi Isai. Let's not make that mistake. Let's use this incredible gift of life and certainly the wonderful gift coming up of a nice little vacation for the right decisions, for the opportunities to soar, for the opportunities to, to recharge our batteries, not to sit in somebody's office having to explain away how my brain wasn't functioning when I made this unbelievably foolish mistake. Let's not be that guy. Bez Hashem, let's make the right decisions now during the vacation time throughout our lives so we can go me chayil chayil and that's chuspi zocha to be a samishachim hey remain.